Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 24th day of June 2023. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and this is an interesting week. I'm going to start off the review of the important stories of the week this evening with the most important story. Actually, that's plural, stories that seem to have been covered up, not necessarily by the least important story, but by the most blown out of proportion and uh, most old news, even before it was originally reported, story. Almost like the distraction story was intended to blow up, uh, although really what it did was implode, pun intended. And on the important stories front, I could be talking about any number of them, and we will, from World War III and British storm shadow missiles used to openly escalate World War III in the Ukraine, to the economic meltdown, still largely off the radar, to, of course, the biggest act of treason, or actually that one too is plural, in U.S. history. All kinds of crimes that are uh, still not being covered. So let's start with this story. It's a meta story about the distraction. And the distraction, of course, was the loss of that Titanic deep sea tourist sub that we now know imploded. And arguably, although it hasn't been proven yet, that it imploded because they cut corners and that it probably imploded even before they actually even admitted to anybody that it was missing. And it looks like the U.S. Navy either knew or should have known from the get go. But let's be realistic, they were probably distracted by more important stuff, like the end of Pride Month coming up. In other words, like we're getting more and more used to, this one too, literally stinks to high heaven. So let's pick it up with Zero Hedge's take on the cover-up. As two IRS whistleblowers, it begins, and we'll get to that story in a second, prepare to go public with even more damning information implicating what else? The Biden Fuhrer, the crime family, and all of those that have been involved in stealing an election, undermining and then prosecuting an actually elected president, and finally destroying any opposition. Well, meanwhile, they poke the bear, foment an escalation to World War III already in progress, but they want it to go really, really hot, and are working overtime to destroy the entire world, but especially U.S. economy. Anyway, all of this implicates the Biden regime in a scheme to bury evidence of hunterpocracy, the Hunter Biden tax crimes, gun crimes, oh yeah, and all the other crimes that they don't even think are worth investigating as well as the revelation that Joe Biden was, quote, in the room when Hunter shot a threatening message to a Chinese business associate, or was it puppet master, demanding payment, a story which some have called, quote, the biggest political scandal this country has ever seen. And guess what? The Biden regime has at least a half a dozen already high up on the list. But instead, there was an even bigger, at least so far as the waste stream was concerned, story that captivated the nation. The deaths, as we now know, that happened before the story even went public, of missing submarine passengers who set off last weekend to uh, see the Titanic through a seven-inch hole, only to lose contact shortly into the trip. And as it turns out, the small, uh, and I guess I'll use an acronym, some of you may have heard, the small POS, use your imagination as to what that might stand for, it could be pretend ocean sub submarine imploded before the world even knew that there was a problem. And on Thursday, the Wall Street Journal reported, quote, a top-secret military acoustic detection system designed to spot enemy submarines first heard what the U.S. Navy actually suspected was the Titan submersible implosion hours after that submersible began its voyage, unquote, and that the, quote, U.S. system detected what it suspected was the sound of an implosion. And guess what, folks? You can rest assured they know what that sounds like. Near the debris site discovered Thursday. 
What's more, it's not like the military took days to try and figure out what the sound was. Quote, while not definitive, this information was immediately shared with the incident commander to assist with the ongoing search and rescue mission. Unquote. And here's the punchline. That means the Biden regime knew on Sunday. And while this is not definitive, <laughs> nothing ever is when it comes to high crimes, misdemeanors, and outright treason, remember? They knew on Sunday that the submarine sounded as if it had imploded just hours into its journey. And what's more, they deliberately seem to have let everybody think, because we need a distraction and we need it now, that the passengers were still alive. They have only X number of hours left. Ooh, be afraid, be very afraid. Watch the news like a hawk and pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Said the cynics at Zero Hedge, and just about everybody else is paying attention, this has led many to wonder whether or not the Biden regime allowed, or maybe folks even encouraged people, to think that the sub-passengers were still alive, despite information and belief that the sub had almost certainly imploded early into the voyage, a story arc that would have fizzled out a whole lot sooner and turned the public's attention to places that uh, they really don't want the public focused, like the far greater bombshells, again plural, stories surrounding the latest alleged. You have to put that in there even though everybody knows they're no longer alleged, folks. They're not even all known at this point, but they are certainly legion. Crimes by the big guy, a.k.a. the senile imposter, and his whoring crackhead frontman's son. Furthermore, while the official death announcement from the submersible company OceanGate was predicated on the discovery of a debris field, that may not be enough for those questioning just how the substory came to captivate the attention of a nation on the very same day that the most damning evidence yet, and there's been a whole lot of damning evidence, against the first crime family continues to ooze out like maggots from a corpse. As a tweet from the infamous pundit Cat Turd put it, let me get this straight. The Biden regime knew the submarine imploded on Sunday, but they used their media propagandists to push the they're running out of oxygen story all week long to deflect from Hunter's crimes. God save us from these scumbags and lowlifes. Sickening. Some others said variations on something a bit more succinct. Holy Adam Schiff. While investigative reporter extraordinaire Jack Pasovic put it this way, the WSJ is reporting that the U.S. Navy detected the Titan implosion on Sunday, but Biden held the news until today's whistleblower testimony on Hunter. The entire thing was a distraction op. Concludes Zero Hedge. Let's see what the administration cooks up to come out with. But now that the story has served its purpose and the White House's historic press secretary and you know which blithering historic idiot they're talking about is forced to move on to even more dramatic geopolitical shocks, we're confident that what they'll come up with will be some variant of uh, they won't comment out of respect for the victims' families. And I don't think they're meaning the people that were on the sub, folks. But still, they note. It's not like a diversion was really all that necessary. You want to add up all of the minutes that the Waystream Press devoted to the IRS whistleblower cover-up story? That's not that hard. The answer is zero. And since you were intended to miss it, here is the story that they were talking about. Several bombshells dropped by two IRS whistleblowers on Thursday revealed, among other things, that fake President Joe Biden's DOJ buried evidence of Hunter Biden's tax crimes... 
and uh, stopped U.S. Attorney David Weiss from bringing charges against Hunter in at least two different jurisdictions last year. Let's not forget, George Orwell had it right in Animal Farm. Some pigs, some animals really are more equal than others, and some of them are simply well above the law. And you know their names. You've even seen them on video with their crack pipes and their sex slave whores. According to Jason Smith, Republican from Missouri, Weiss sought to be appointed as a special counsel in the case last year, but was denied as well. And what's more, the IRS sought felony charges against the so-called first son Hunter. They sent their recommendations to the Biden DOJ, and instead what came out was two misdemeanors. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. And you know the answer on that score, no jail time either. According to the whistleblowers, one of whom is Gary Shipley, who came forward weeks ago to reveal his identity, the IRS was notified of potential evidence in the guest house of former Vice President Biden. But they were rebuffed by U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf, who said there was, quote, no way, as no search warrant would, quote, ever get approved. (laughs) Isn't it funny, folks? Actually, elected presidents, though, had better watch out. But, you know, if you think that line from a deep state attorney does sound familiar, remember what it was James Comey said when it came to indicting Hitlery. No prosecutor worth his salt would dare so much as even think about it. House Ways and Means Chairman Jason Smith detailed multiple felony charges that whistleblowers say the IRS recommended against Hunter Biden, including, quote, $2.2 million in unreported tax on global income from Ukraine, Romania, and China. And uh, ah, that sounds kind of familiar now, doesn't it? The Daily Mail headline says other bombshell allegations from the IRS whistleblower include that the fake first son deducted thousands in payments to a prostitute and an L.A. sex club. But hey, that's kind of passe nowadays, isn't it? Here's another quote from the story. Whistleblowers describe how the Biden Just Us Department intervened and overstepped in a campaign to protect the son of Joe Biden by delaying, divulging, and denying an ongoing investigation into Hunter Biden's alleged tax crimes. And remember, folks, these are literally the jaywalking among the things that the Biden crime family has been caught committing. Continued Smith in a statement, the testimony shows tactics used by the Justice Department to delay the investigation long enough to reach the statute of limitations. Evidence that they divulged sensitive actions by the investigative team to Biden's attorneys and denied requests by the U.S. attorney to bring charges against Biden. Really makes you long for an honest and, hey, actually elected president like, say, Tricky Dick Nixon, doesn't it? Why, even his cover-ups look downright Boy Scout by comparison. The story continues by saying that during seven hours of testimony before the Ways and Means Committee, Shipley and the other whistleblower's testimony implicated both Attorney General Sick Merrick Darth Garland and IRS Commissioner David Werfel for lying to Congress about political interference in the so-called Biden probe. And it turns out that back in September of 2020, on the 4th to be exact, the DOJ, SICK, ordered a cease and desist on any overt investigation of Hunter Biden or the Biden crime family or influence peddling, according to IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley. And remember, folks, it's not just one whistleblower here, but actually two witnesses that have come forward, and as Representative Greg Murphy of North Carolina put it, laid out the full case of what's been going on. The second individual, through his attorney, asked Ways and Means to contact him and ask for testimony. So, again, he said, we didn't seek these, they sought us. And this thing just goes on and on and on. But by now, 
I think we're getting pretty used to that, aren't we? Still, there are some almost stunning highlights. Case in point, prosecutors even asked to remove Hunter Biden's name from electronic search warrants and document requests, even though that would cause so-called investigators not to be able to get certain evidence. And then another piece of evidence presented Thursday, Hunter Biden can be seen in a message to Chinese business associate Henry Zhao, demanding they send the money as promised, and he said the following, quote, I'm sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. July 30th, 2017, tell the director I'd like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight, unquote. And isn't that funny? He's a trip off the old block. Remember this clip? Braggadocio from the big guy himself about U.S. taxpayer paid hush money to Ukraine? I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko. They would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. And we know when a politician says something like that, it means he stays bought. And the rest of this quote, again from Hunter, really kind of tells exactly what kind of a crime family we're dealing with. Hunter warned that, quote, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me, and guess who that means, folks, and every person he knows, and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father, Unquote. This, folks, is what a nation well on the road to hell looks like. Well, while we're on the subject and along the very same lines, there were more bombshells from an increasingly and obviously incompetent and certainly impotent Congress on Wednesday. More bombshells, says a summary from Zero Hedge and Tyler Durden, from John Durham on Wednesday, where he told the House Judiciary Committee that the CIA knew full well that Hillary Clinton approved that plan to smear then-candidate Donald Trump with Russia, Russia, Russia allegations in order to distract from her own classified email scandal that really does rise to the level of certainly espionage, and given who was involved and how it's been used to make war on the American people, treason, and that the FBI did not, quote, sufficiently scrutinize information it received, nor did it, quote, apply the same standards to allegations it received about the Clinton and Trump campaigns, unquote. Added Durham, the FBI was all too willing to accept and use politically funded and uncorroborated opposition research, such as the Steele dossier, and he said the FBI relied on that dossier and FISA applications, knowing there was likely material originating from a political campaign or political opponent. Unquote. And Durham said, now this is probably the only thing he said, folks, that kind of rises to the level of obscene humor. He said, quote, it's going to take some time to rebuild the public's confidence in the institution. <laughs> Unquote. Like everybody who lived in this period will have to die, and then the history has to be rewritten before people are stupid enough to believe that the FBI was anything other than an evil SS Gestapo-like organization that we've seen so many police states descend into over countless repetitions in history. Under questioning from House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, Durham said that former FBI Director, scumbag and whoremeister chief Jim Comey withheld a referral memorandum from the agents working in the Crossfire Hurricane case. That 
That memo contained intelligence from a high-level briefing with the director of the CIA, John I. Lie Through My Blankety Blanket Teeth, Brennan, and it related to then-Democrat presidential candidate Hillary Clinton's attempt to tie Trump to Russia. Summarizing all of that, Jim Jordan said they kept key intelligence from the investigators. This is how bad this investigation was, but here's the scary part. I don't think anything has changed, unquote. Among other things, Special Counsel Durham said that there was, quote, not a legitimate basis to launch the Operation Crossfire Hurricane investigation into Trump in response to a, uh, well, assertion about his reputation being damaged. Durham said, quote, my concern about my reputation is with the people who I respect and my family and my Lord, and I'm perfectly comfortable with my reputation with them, sir, unquote, he said to Cohen. And there was an interesting exchange that began with the most shiftless individual, scumbag without question, in the entire Congress. And that's a tall order, but yeah, Adam Schiffer Brains clearly comes pretty close to the top of that uh, fetid heap. Here we go. Uh, I'd like to yield the balance of my time to my colleague from California, Mr. Schiff. Mr. Term, uh, DOJ policy provides that you don't speak about a pending investigation, uh, and yet you did, didn't you? Um, I'm not exactly sure what when, you're When the Inspector General issued a report saying that the investigation was properly predicated, you spoke out in violation of Department of Justice, Department of Justice policy, to criticize the Inspector General's conclusions, didn't you? I issued a public statement. I didn't do it anonymously. I didn't do it through third persons. There were but Nonetheless, you violated department policy by issuing a statement while your investigation was ongoing, didn't you? I don't know that. If I did, then I did, but I was not aware that I was violating some policy. Uh, and you also sought to get the inspector general to um, change his conclusion, did you not? When he was concluding that the investigation was properly predicated, did you privately seek to intervene to change that conclusion? This is outside the scope of the report, but if you want to go there, we asked the uh, Inspector General to take a look at the intelligence that's included in the classified appendix that you looked at and um, said that that ought to affect um, portions of his report. And and you thought it was appropriate for you to intervene with an independent investigation by the Inspector General because he was reaching a conclusion you disagreed with. You thought that was appropriate. That's not – the premise isn't right. The Inspector General circulated a draft memo – to a number of um, agencies and persons. Our group was one of them. We were asked to review that draft and bring to his attention any concerns that we had or disagreements. And when he refused to change his report, you violated Mr. Chairman, I insist on regular order. Well, it's not even his time. It's, it's Ms. Lofgren's time. So the gentleman yields back to Ms. Lofgren, who's not here, so the time has expired. Uh, Mr. Durham, in the summer of 2016, did our government receive intelligence that suggested Secretary Clinton had approved a plan to tie President Trump to Russia? Yes. Was that intelligence important enough for Director Brennan to go brief the President of the United States, the Vice President of the United States, the Attorney General of the United States, and the Director of the FBI? Yes. And was that intelligence put then into a memorandum, a referral memorandum? Yes. And was that memorandum then given to Director Comey and Agent Strzok? That's who was addressed to, yes. Did Director Comey share that memorandum with the FISA court? I'm, I'm sorry, can you? Did he share that memorandum with the FISA court? Did Director Comey do that? I'm not aware of that if he did. Did he share it with the, with the lawyers preparing the FISA application? Not to my knowledge. Did he share it with the agents on the case, working the Crossfire Hurricane case? No. 
didn't share with the agents on the case. Can you tell the committee what happened when you took that referral memo and shared it with one of those agents, specifically supervisory special agent number one? We interviewed the uh, first supervisor of the um, crossfire uh, investigation, um, the operational person. Uh, we showed him the intelligence um, information. Uh, he indicated he had never seen it before. Uh, he immediately became uh, emotional, uh, got up and left the room with his lawyer, um, spent some time in the hallway, came back. Um, he was and ticked off, wasn't he? Yes. He was ticked off because this is something he should have had as an agent on the case. It's important information that the director of the FBI kept from the people doing the investigation. The information was kept from him. Well, after all of that, we do have to go to this story, at least briefly, courtesy of the Criminally Negligent Network, which says, guess what, folks? House Speaker for the Traitors, Kevin McCarthy, urged House Republicans to vote against a resolution brought forward by GOP Representative Lauren Boebert of Colorado to force a vote to impeach the scumbag who's trying to push the United States not only over the cliff, but an escalation of World War III into the nuclear and terminal phase, Joe Biden. He argued that now is not the time said multiple sources concerning the closed-door meeting to CNN. Kind of inclines your host to ask the question, well, gee, when is the right time? After we see the nukes? Or maybe after the communist Chinese come out and say, yeah, we own that puppet, he's our guy on a stick. And by the way, Hunter's our man too, and how dare you put any of them behind bars for just doing what we've paid them to? Come on, folks. What is it going to take? I guess that's the real question here. And I guess maybe now that the sub-implosion is off the table, too, something might percolate to the top of the waste stream media news cycle. But you know what it's not going to be, right? From there, let's go back and fill in some gaps because there was more Hunter news earlier in the week. Before that, too, got shoved even off the pages of the D section. And it's always informative to start out by seeing how a left-leaning, well, very left-leaning Oregon spins it. This is the Daily Mail's headline, Republicans rip Hunter Biden's slap on the wrist. They have to put it in quotes. I guess maybe they think it's an understatement. For tax and gun crimes, GOP says the president's sick, scandal-plagued son, and his plea deal to avoid any actual punishment is just a distraction from the really big deal here, although they don't even put it that way, the alleged $10 million, and that's just for starters. Folks, bribery scheme. Yeah, says the piece, Republicans are unsatisfied with the Biden guilty plea in his tax fraud case since it comes with nothing in the way of real penalties. They're calling it a sweetheart deal and a distraction from the actual real big crimes that are still going not only unpunished but even uninvestigated, at least by the so-called Just Us Department. Remember, folks, we now know that the point of a so-called FBI investigation is to shut down any real investigations while they obstruct justice and cover up and tamper with the evidence. <laughs> Say new filings with the Justice Department itself. Hunter Biden's lawyers, and that would be your tax dollars at work, but uh, you're not going to be told that, have reached a deal with prosecutors, sick, that would see him plead guilty to two minor tax crimes and resolve his gun form violation. Anybody without the big guy connections would probably see 10 years or so for that one, but likely avoid jail time. And hey, here's a shocker, folks. What do you bet? No red flags for Hunter either. Said House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer in a statement, Hunter Biden's getting away with a slap on the wrist, while growing evidence uncovered by the House Oversight Committee reveals the Bidens engaged in a pattern of corruption, influence peddling, and possibly bribery, unquote, and he left out treason. But still, that's better than anything the Just Us Department is going to come up with. 
The president's son, the piece tells us, as if we believe this, has been under investigation. No, that means cover-up, folks, for five full years for tax, financial allegations, and, of course, alleged gun crimes like the paperwork for purchasing a handgun, which he can have in you peons can't, where he attested falsely that he wasn't a crackhead, didn't abuse every kind of drug you can think of, and probably a whole lot of other things that would have been a crime on that form, too. Well, obviously, we're getting very used to hypocrisy that kind of raises the bar when it comes to lawlessness that abounds. I guess we'll wrap up this segment with a quick bit of good news, such as it is. The House has finally, at long last, voted to censure Adam Schiff for brains, one of the truly biggest scumbags in a swamp full of them. First, says the Zero Hedge coverage, he was owned by John Durham at that testimony, where the Democrat attempted a character assassination, and it backfired. And now the House has voted to censure Adam Schiff, communist from California, on June 21st, a week after an initial resolution to do so was tabled. The tally? 213 to 209. What's wrong with the 209 that can't see crime when it, oh, well, wait a minute, stares at them in the mirror? Six voted present. The bad news? The scumbag has been referred to the House Ethics Sick Committee for Investigation, which means you've probably heard the last of it. But at least we have more after the bottom of the hour break. Stay with us. segment of the show for this evening. I am your host, Mark Call. And honestly, folks, in a nation and a world gone utterly insane, and now that we've talked about the big smoke and at least some of what it might have been intended to cover up, the next question is how to prioritize what's left and what's most representative of all the other stuff, from the insanely criminal to the criminally insane, and the real news as opposed to the, well, BS smoke and mirrors. So let's start with a brief review of just some of the stories from just one front in the war on sanity. This first one comes from Zachary Stiber via the Epic Times, and it says that school administrators, says a so-called district judge, and since it's a far-left Obama appointee, the law obviously is immaterial. Now we learn. So are facts. You know that he, she, or whatever they say must rule. The so-called judge ruled that school administrators were not infringing on a student's constitutional rights, and that part at least is obvious because, hey, they don't have any, when they ordered him to remove a shirt, saying there are only two genders. So, yes, folks, that kind of speech is now verboten in American indoctrination cesspools. This was a case where a Massachusetts middle schooler named Liam Morrison and his lawyers said the order violated his First Amendment rights. Yeah, again, you don't have any to free speech and his 14th Amendment rights to due process. And who are we kidding on that score? But U.S. District Judge Sik Indira Talwani 
said those violations basically cannot be proven because the school, quote, permissibly concluded that the shirt invades the rights of others. You see, you don't have any rights, but anybody else who objects does. So the boy can't wear a shirt proclaiming a simple, obvious, demonstrably scientifically provable truth in a so-called school where what's obvious and even what's true is no longer permitted. Said the Obama judge, school administrators appropriately exercise their discretion. Isn't that funny? They have discretion. Hunter Biden certainly has discretion, but you don't. When concluding that any such statement, quote, may communicate that only two gender identities, male and female, are valid, and any others are invalid or non-existent. And to conclude that students who identify differently, whether they do so openly or not, have a right to attend school without being confronted by messages attacking their identities, unquote. On the other hand, we'll attack your God, your intelligence, your ability to think anytime we blankety-blank and well feel like it. And remember, you don't have any rights. Now, at this point, folks, I have to admit, I read that, and I'm thinking, how about all those kids that attend schools where their identity, especially if they're white or actually male and are being taught that those things make them less than human even? Or for that matter, even if they just simply reject the BS that they're being fed. In other words, they dare to believe in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, or anything which is now verboten in a tyrannical police state. Uh, isn't their identity being attacked every time they cross the threshold into that cesspool? Funny, isn't it, how uh, what's good for the goose isn't good for the one whose goose is being cooked? Said Tyson Langhofer, Senior Counsel and Director of the Center for Academic Freedom at the Alliance Defending Freedom, who's helping the plaintiff, said the ruling was... <laughs> disappointing because, quote, public school officials cannot censor a seventh grader's free speech by forcing him to remove a shirt that states a scientific fact. He said doing so is a gross violation of the First Amendment. We'll be appealing the ruling and, uh, well, I'll put it this way. Good luck because the law doesn't seem to have much to do with it. Lawyer Hans Bader commenting on the case said that the judge suggested the T-shirt interfered with other students, quote, right to attend school without being confronted by messages attacking their identities, unquote. But other schools and other courts have refused to recognize a right to attend school without being confronted by messages attacking one's identity. Think about it, folks. That's the whole point of critical race theory. I guess I could go a step further and state the obvious on this score, too. Just about everything that's taught in the public indoctrination cesspools is attacking somebody's identity, their gender, that is, if they're either a real male or a real female, and certainly their religion, that is, if they believe there is a God and he wrote a book for us. Does anybody still believe there is any sanity anywhere in a legal system that now openly says that criminals like Hunter Biden, and ironically, even though he's white and even though he's a male can do basically anything, especially things that you slaves, you peons, you, will in fact go to jail and ultimately be executed if they feel like it for even attempting to do. But wait, you know what, folks? On that score, we're just getting started today. Here's another one from Zero Hedge. A federal judge has struck down an Arkansas law, and guess who appointed that federal judge, barring child gender mutilation. But the lawsuit calls them transitions. The trailblazing Arkansas law was the first of 20 such measures enacted by what are now being called conservative, once they would have been called sane, legislatures across the country. And while similar laws in Alabama, Florida, and Indiana have been hit with only temporary injunctions so far, 
Judge, sick, James M. Moody Jr. Oh, and guess who nominated him to the federal bench? Uh, time's up, folks. And some still suggest he's the power behind the throne. Barack Hussein Obama issued a permanent injunction against the Arkansas law, handing a major victory to plaintiffs, I prefer the term groomers, led by the state's American Civil Liberties, sick, union chapter. The Obama tyrant's 80-page ruling makes clear he fully bought into the argument that children, especially minors, are well served by having their breasts removed, receiving puberty-blocking drugs, and otherwise having their immature bodies permanently, and in too many cases, terminally altered, before reaching the age of majority. And he declared, quote, The evidence showed that the prohibited medical care improves the mental health and well-being of patients. Uh, full stop. It what? Says somebody who just made a pretty good case for being an out-and-out psychopath? Yeah, just like taking the Zyklon B injection improves your physical health. And the election was fair and honest, too. But hey, if you don't like it, I'll issue a red flag warning. Come take your guns and then your kids. Anyway, the evidence, said this scumbag, claims... Showed, he says, that the prohibited medical care improves the mental health and well-being of patients and that by prohibiting it, the state undermined the interests they claim to be advancing. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. And he ruled that outlawing so-called gender-affirming care violated, and I didn't think this was possible, due process. <laughs> well, folks, when it comes to your right to freedom of assembly, speech, worship, to keep and bear arms, be free of the illegal search and seizure, um, they don't care a blankety-blank about due process. But not only does outlawing gender-affirming care, whatever the hell they want to call it, do that, it also violates the equal protection rights of children. I guess that means they'll cut off little girls' breasts and little boys' penises with equal impunity. And that at least in this case, doctors have a First Amendment right, that is, if they want to groom kids. But I got a strong suspicion they don't have that same right when it comes to criticizing the vaccine schedule or suggesting that there might be a problem with destroying little kids' immune systems with the poison poke. He even claimed that the expert witnesses who testified for the state lacked the necessary qualifications because they have a struggle in the conflict between, quote, scientific understanding of the need for transgender care and uh, faith, which, if you stop and think about it, tells you a whole hell of a lot about this scumbag's faith. Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders tweeted, This is not care. It's activists pushing a political agenda at the expense of our kids and subjecting them to a permanent and harmful procedure. Only in the far left's woke vision of America is it not appropriate to protect children. Unquote. And she added, the Arkansas Attorney General will appeal the ruling. From there, a couple of related items on the... Uh, Blind to faith front. This ruling says the zero hedge piece comes a week after an 18-year-old California woman, hey, she's past the age of majority now, sued Kaiser Permanente and four different doctors for rushing her into a mastectomy at the age of 13, along with puberty blockers and testosterone treatments in an effort to turn her, as it turns out, unsuccessfully, but hey, we knew that, didn't we, into a man. Kayla Lloydall said the doctor's high-pressure tactics, as she called them, included the use of a line that's now widely employed by practitioners in the field of child abuse and grooming, telling her parents, quote, it's better to have a live son than a dead daughter, unquote. But turns out a lot of them are getting a dead they don't even know what. She said, quote, the hardest part was being told something I believe was going to help me and make me feel better, only to do it and then come out on the other side not feeling any better, said Lloydall. 
I could always have waited, but I can't undo it, unquote. One more current testimonial from a not-so-happy tranny. This one actually comes from the Daily Mail out of the UK, who writes in their headline, It turned out to be a big mistake. Gen Z's trans poster child, Milo, from a 2016 MTV documentary, has reemerged, and now she tearfully regrets taking the hormone jabs and having a hairy belly and dead ovary. Milo said that being trans made her feel invincible back in that landmark MPV documentary, but that was then. Now she regrets her testosterone shots, breast removal, and hysterectomy. And she's returned with a YouTube post, bitterly regretting a transition that's left her scarred, hairy, and almost certainly infertile. In the clip, which went online Wednesday, she said it turned out to be a big mistake. I keep thinking about how, if I ever want to be perceived by society as a woman, I now have to do vocal training. And I need laser treatment to get rid of my facial hair. But I'm just so tired. The Daily Mail, and as close as they get to a disclaimer here, said they can't verify Milo's account. But her story does echo those from the growing number of teens who speedily make, uh, to put it mildly, folks, ill-conceived decisions, some would say under tremendous pressure, and I would agree, to change their so-called gender. And later, they experience regret and medical problems. And yeah, a huge number of them end up committing suicide. But those are figures that you're not allowed to quote if you want to stay on two Facebook or various social socialist media platforms. Says the Daily Mail, when Milo appeared in the MTV documentary, she became a poster child for a transgender movement that was back then at least new to most Americans and not the hot-button political issue it is now. There's a lot more in the story, folks, but it's all just uh, not only sad and disgusting and a huge warning to those who are being deceived in the name of this medical abomination, but it ought to make us downright angry. Finally, here's a story of a woman who seems to have every reason to be angry. A former teammate of transgender, sick, University of Pennsylvania swimmer, so-called Leah Thomas, has broken her mandated silence and spoke out this week about how that university silenced her and her teammates on the issue. Former swimmer Paula Scanlon told Fox Business host Stuart Varney that she was directed, tongue, not to talk to the media about the issue, said a wrap-up of the interview by the Daily Caller. Scanlon told Varney, our university actually just didn't have any conversations with us at all about our concerns about the situation happening. And then once it was already a media storm and Thomas was already breaking all these records, that's when they came in and told us, please don't talk to the media. This is a non-negotiable. And they provided us with counseling services. Yeah, that's what they call coercion nowadays, folks. If we objected. She said, quote, they brought in a whole panel of individuals, someone from the LGBT center, someone from the psychological services, and a whole bunch of people from the athletic department, she continued. The governing body of swimming called FINA, F-I-N-A, they actually put in a rule that said, if you don't transition before the age of 12, you're not allowed to compete internationally. So in terms of Leah Thomas or another, another individual that's likely going to the Olympics, that's not going to happen. But in terms of the NCAA, well, the NCAA hasn't changed any of its policies regarding transgender individuals. It's about a year of testosterone blockers and hormone replacement therapy, and then you're good to go to compete on the woman's team, unquote. Scanlon says Zero Hedge's summary has joined a growing chorus of female athletes, specifically swimmers, who are now speaking out against having to compete against biological men in what was once a woman's sport. And it just gets worse. The story reminds us that back in April 2023, not too long ago, former University of Kentucky swimmer 
Former University of Kentucky swimmer Riley Gaines was assaulted by a pro-trans crowd at a speech at San Francisco State University after she dared to speak up about having to compete against and share a locker room with biological males. Her husband, Louis Barker, said she had to be barricaded in a room for nearly three hours to protect herself after that. She was hit by multiple, quote, she told me, says her husband, she was hit multiple times by a guy in a dress. I was shaking. It made me that mad. It makes me sick to feel so helpless about it. She was under police protection and was still hit by a man wearing a dress, unquote. And I got to wonder, folks, is that called gender-affirming care? She wrote on Twitter after the incident, the prisoners are running the asylum at SFSU. I was ambushed, physically hit twice by a man, which is proof, she said, that women need sex-protected spaces. I think she's talking about locker rooms without things with penises in them. Still, she wrote, it only further assures me that I'm doing something right. When they want you silenced, speak louder. And amen. There was a lot that came out this week on the World War III front. America's top warmongering deep state senators, Lindsey Graham and Richard Blumenthal, introduced a resolution in the Senate saying that if Russia or one of its alleged proxies detonates a tactical nuke, say, inside Ukraine, or if somebody, haha, manages to damage the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant and allow radiation leakage, they would consider that an attack upon NATO and trigger Article 5, and what it certainly looks like they're jonesing for, a nuclear escalation. Midweek, there were a couple of bridges near Crimea that were hit by what appear to be British Storm Shadow missiles. One store even suggested at the direction of London... How's that for poking the bear? But even before that, Vladimir Putin put the West on notice as a headline from his speech at the St. Petersburg International Economic Forum, or SPIF. He made it clear he knows that the West is planning, and uh, who doesn't at this point, on supplying fighter jets to Ukraine. And the U.S. insists that those F-16s be, what else, folks? Poke that bear. Nuclear capable. I wonder how the United States would like it, outside of the White House, of course, if uh, Russia started putting nuclear-capable fighters operating out of Havana or Matamoros. Putin pointed out that those jets, especially USF-16s, require large, complicated maintenance operations, which cannot now be done in Ukraine because of the fear of being hit with Russian missiles, and justifiably so. Thus, it would be necessary, he suggests, for the planes to use bases that are at least currently safe. So, he said, that won't be the case for much longer, because if those fighter jets take off from NATO bases outside Ukraine and they enter Ukraine for battle, Russia will not be able to tell if those planes are armed with tactical nukes or not, and therefore, logically, they'll have to assume that they are, and under those circumstances, Russia, he says, will have no choice but to hit, what else, those very NATO bases, and they may have to do so with tactical nuclear weapons. In other words, we're warning you up front, you do this, it is yet another escalation, another poke that may lead to exactly where it seems like you are bound and determined to go, and that's nuclear warfare. You know what, folks? I can't help but think that most Americans would sleep better if they didn't think the diaper wear masquerading as president in the Oval Orifice wasn't senile and utterly incapable of making an independence decision outside of his uh, Communist Chinese Party and deep state string pullers. The fact that everybody who's paying attention now knows beyond any reasonable doubt that he's on the take, too, certainly doesn't help. All of which at least might help to begin to explain why people could be a bit uneasy at American troops once our allies being deployed to maybe lock down American cities.
But hey, let's not forget, could be three-letter agencies, too. Here's another one of those stories that ought to raise more than a few eyebrows. I call it a sign of the times. So does the Gateway Pundit and Jim Hoft. It begins, says their headline, and that's apropos, 20 heavily armed IRS and ATF agents have raided a Great Falls gun store. As a matter of fact, the largest online Internet mall for firearms and accessories, according to their claims anyway, in the country. Which may, your host can't help but think, explain a lot of what follows. And what did they go after? You betcha, they seized purchase records of firearms. Wonder what Big Brother in the White House is already threatening to come and take your guns. Might want with those. And by the way, folks, just in case you've been uh, recently public school miseducated, the history of those unconstitutional infringements, in other words, the only way they even managed to get this abomination passed years and years ago, was to promise that they would never, ever be used for firearm registration, yeah, sure, and that they would not be seized, and they would only be turned over to Big Brother, and would never be put on a list anyway, after a licensed federal firearms dealer left that business of commerce. In an unprecedented move, it begins, 20 armed IRS and Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Oot, Firearms, and Explosives, and who knows what they'll add in later. Once you can infringe things that shall not be infringed, is there really any limit anymore? Anyway, those so-called agents carried out a raid on the Highwood Creek Outfitters gun store in Great Falls, Montana, and seized all of the Form 4473, you know, those infamous yellow sheets, prior restraint, uh, infringements on the right to keep and bear arms or even to buy them without permission from uh, something antithetical to the Constitution and laws we once had. Documents, says the piece here that recorded buyer's information, during unconstitutionally regulated firearms transactions. Tom Van Hoos, owner of Highwood Creek Outfitters, alleges that he'd been under constant surveillance by state and federal agencies for over two years, according to KRTV. And on Wednesday, the gun shop owner reported an unexpected visit from 20 heavily armed three-letter agency. And I'll admit, this is my term, your host's opinion. Jackbooted thugs, who reportedly arrived at the shop early in the morning as he was beginning to open for the day, quote, we've now confirmed that both the IRS and ATF were at Highwood Creek Outfitters in Great Falls around 7 a.m. this morning, but neither the IRS nor ATF would say why they were there, said another report, this time from KMO on radio. A spokesliar for the IRS would only say they were there on official IRS business, which means whatever they want it to mean, folks, nothing more, nothing less, while the ATF excuses their presence by saying they were just providing assistance to the IRS. I guess that's plausible deniability. No, we weren't jonesing for those forms. Said the news outlet, we attempted to enter the store and were stopped by agents at the door who would only say, Achtung, the gun store is closed. And uh, maybe, who knows, they'll reopen. Tomorrow, Van Hoos said that the federal scrutiny began two years ago and doesn't involve just those two three-letter agencies, but also includes, hey, guess who, folks, the Federal Bureau of Instigation, the OSHA, <laughs> Occupational Safety and Health Administration. I'll admit I have trouble getting that out in this current environment. The Department of Achtung, Homeland Security, and, of course, the Internal Revenue Service. Added the owner, they must think we're making a fortune in the gun business to investigate us like this, assuming we're hiding thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars. <laughs> and, I, and your host can't help but think, hey, if that kind of money was involved, Hunter Biden would be in there somewhere, and you know the FBI would be looking the other way. So uh, obviously something doesn't wash here. However, said the owner, anyone familiar with gun business profit margins would know that's not the case. He also claims he was told that the business had simply been reported 
East German Stasi style, although he remains in the dark about just who or for what reason it had been reported. And here's a shocker. He says he believes the entire episode is politically motivated, to which all your hosts can add is, duh. Said Van Hoos, I can only assume it's because of the style of weapons that we have and the fact that the press is so against them. He said, the current administration, and I would have put a different word in there, as you know, seems to be hell-bent on getting those guns out of the hands of average Americans. And at this point, TGP reminds us, Highwood Creek Outfitters is, they say on their own website, America's largest online firearms and accessories mall. And the store is well known for selling what Van Hoos calls fun guns. And uh uh-oh, here's the problem, folks. That includes the infamous Biden-hated most popular rifle in America, by the way, AR-15, which the Biden idiot lies about all the time, telling you things like, Do you realize the bullet out of an AR-15 travels five times as rapidly as a bullet shot out of any other gun? And I'll say it again, you have to ask, is he really that incredibly, blindly ignorant, or is he just a horribly evil and bad liar? Okay, well, I guess I made my own point. Almost certainly both. But gee, folks, no wonder. Somebody probably wants to make an example out of this particular store. On the other hand, notes the Gateway Pundit, the incident has attracted political attention, as you might expect, with Congressman Matt Rosendale expressing his concern over the IRS and ATF unconstitutional, I put that word in there, actions, interpreting them as yet another example of the Biden regime's weaponization of three-letter federal agencies against hardworking Americans. He said, quote, I'm incredibly disturbed by initial reports that the IRS and ATF closed Highwood Creek Outfitters without any warning today. He said in a statement, this is yet another example of the Biden administration, sick, weaponizing federal agencies to target and harass hardworking Americans. We cannot allow Biden to continue expanding these agencies to infringe on our liberties, unquote. And he went on to ask if this is another example of what we might expect a lot more of once Big Brother gets those 87,000 or however many it is that they want additional Achtung jackbooted, I mean, I'm sorry, IRS agents to, uh, what was it Jefferson said, harass our people and eat out their substance. And yes, just like the British tried to do, steal their firearms too. So it's interesting this week that, uh, and we'll close with this, there were reports and videos of troop movements, much more so than we've gotten used to, all over the country, in literally dozens of major cities, but interestingly, not surprisingly, nowhere near the border. So we know for sure it doesn't have anything to do with a foreign invasion of the United States, and uh, arguably, the regime doesn't seem to care about that anyway. But especially given all the other things we've talked about this evening, it does have people asking, what the heck is going on? And who is the regime actually intent on fighting? As if we didn't already have a pretty good clue. I guess one thing is still for sure, folks. If the United States does end up in a hot war, even hotter than the ones we've been having, is it good news or bad news that the now demoralized and dumbed down LGBTQIA plus treasonous military has a fake commander in chief who's so senile he probably can't even remember all the people who bribed him. 